Hello, I'm your host, Anna Danino, and welcome to the third bonus episode of the Crime Bistro Podcast. This show gazes into the thrillingly twisted world of true crime, examining real cases while we share in a passion for crime and coffee alike. For this episode, I'm enjoying an iced vanilla coffee, so grab yourself a fresh brew, and let's get into The Legend of Bigfoot. The Legend of Bigfoot has captivated people for numerous decades following the release of the extremely famous and controversial Patterson-Gimlin film in 1967. Bigfoot was initially popularized in the mainstream media in 1958, however, after a man named Ray Wallace became famous nearly overnight for making casts of unusually large footprints that he found near a worksite in Northern California. Despite the recency of these two more sensationalized occurrences, however, Legends of creatures such as Bigfoot have been in existence for nearly as long as humans themselves, and the Sasquatch in particular can be traced concretely back to Native Americans, specifically those located in the northwest region of North America. The debate as to whether or not this creature actually exists is very much ongoing, with many people believing that Bigfoot is only a legend arising from the human tradition of storytelling. Others, however, believe that Bigfoot is very much real, and that while there is minimal to no physical evidence, The number of reported sightings, especially the Patterson-Gimlin film, is not to be overlooked. This episode explores the origins of the Bigfoot legend and how it has created the image of the creature we know today, as well as the evidence that may point to the existence of this elusive creature. Legends of humanoid creatures are as old as humans themselves, and while details vary, these creatures share some common traits. Generally, they are thought to be bipedal, massive in size, covered in hair, and are feared to have the potential to cause harm. Native American tradition, originating in the Pacific Northwest, tells of a giant hair-covered creature named Sonqua who steals children and food, and this is likely the origin of the Sasquatch or Bigfoot legend. Others have suggested that an extinct giant ape named Gigantopithecus may be the ultimate origin of the legend. This species has been identified from fossils that were found in Southeast Asia, and it is possible that early humans and Gigantopithecus were contemporaries. Bigfoot has many different names across different cultures, but the title Bigfoot specifically is attributed to the mountainous northwestern region of North America. The name Sasquatch comes from the Salish Sasquits, and the Algonquin of the northern central portion of North America refer to the creature as a Wetigo or Wendigo, Other cultures tell a different story of a more man-like creature with special powers. The Ojibwe of the Northern Plains believed in the Rougarou that appears in times of danger, describing a hairy apparition that acts as a messenger of warning. For the Native Americans in Oregon, Bigfoot exists within their traditional belief systems as a creature that has deeply rooted cultural significance. Coastal tribes describe Bigfoot as a wild man that lurks near villages, and plateau tribes describe a stick Indian part of a category of potentially harmful beings that stole salmon or confused people by whistling and causing them to become lost in the wilderness. There are also some who believe that Bigfoot has psychic abilities, and reports of sightings have shown the creature to be visible to some and invisible to others. In addition to this, some people think that Bigfoot is a spiritual being who can appear or disappear at will. North American sightings were first reported during the late 1800s into the 1900s, describing anything from an upright ape to a hairy human, sometimes measuring over 8 feet tall and powerfully built. As for Bigfoot himself, as they are commonly recognized, Bigfoots are generally characterized as non-aggressive animals, 
with a human-like shyness and intelligence that makes them so elusive? According to the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, they are massive animals, with their height average thought to be around 7 foot 10, and estimated to weigh on average 650 pounds. The skin of a Bigfoot can range in color from deep black or charcoal to brown, reddish brown, and gray. Their palms are lighter in color as well as the soles of their feet, and they have very thick sole pads. They are covered with hair, not fur, which ranges from black or dark to reddish brown or gray, even white, and the body can have very colored patches of hair. Around 10 to 15% of close encounters report an intensely bad smell. Apparently, under duress, gorillas exude a smell from their axillary organ with its apocrine sweat glands, and the same anatomy is assumed to pertain to Bigfoots. Their heads have been described as relatively small for an animal of their size, featuring a brow ridge with a receding forehead which makes the eyes appear really deep set. The face itself is flat with prominent cheekbones and a square jaw. Their shoulder width tends to measure about 40% of their height, and their arms are massive, reportedly hanging close to their knees. Overall, it is said that they exhibit as much individual diversity in their looks as people do, which may be the result of the animal not being subject to predation, so their differences in appearance are not a selective handicap. In terms of specific behaviors, Bigfoots are known for stick hitting or hitting a stick against a hollow log or tree to make a large noise. This was first mentioned by Great Lakes Indians and later experienced by non-Indians as well. They have also been reported to rock throw and researchers have had stones thrown at them and at their vehicles. The following has also been noted of Bigfoot behaviors. Only about 10% of all sightings note a running Bigfoot. Most are observed walking with a long, fluent stride. They sleep mostly in temporary shelters, and caved and natural shelters seem to be used very rarely. They seem to take pleasure in exercising their strength by lifting large rocks and throwing them. They are thought to be nocturnal and seem to rely on vocalizations more than other primates from whistling to howls, grunts, and chilling screams. In undisturbed regions, they are thought to move in times in groups, suggesting an extended family. A big question is whether they are aggressive and dangerous. However, they are thought to be unaggressive almost to a fault, and often leisurely retreat even when they are threatened. While trying to scare someone out of their territory, the most aggressive thing they will do is run alongside them, and either shake small trees or break large sticks for the sound effect. Moving into some more general information about Bigfoot, despite the number of eyewitness accounts, blurred photos and film, and many footprints, there has never been any conclusive physical evidence discovered of the creature. The historical record of Bigfoot in the American Northwest begins in 1904, when settlers in the Sixes River area reported sightings of a hairy wild man, followed by similar accounts by miners and hunters in the decades that followed. In 1924, a group of miners on Mount St. Helens claimed that they were attacked by giant apes, which became a widely popular news story in Oregon. Bigfoot, however, was popularized in 1958 when a man named Ray Wallace shocked the media by making plaster casts of large footprints that he found near his worksite. Wallace was a road contractor who worked in Northern California, and his supposed discovery of these footprints spurred hundreds to report similar findings in the subsequent years. 
Andrew Ginzoli of the Humboldt Times wrote a lighthearted article about the subject, joking, quote, maybe we have a relative of the abominable snowman of the Himalayas, end quote. He thought that this was going to be a relatively small story, however, readers were fascinated. A Humboldt Times journalist named Betty Allen published follow-up articles afterwards, reporting on the name that the loggers gave this creature, which was Bigfoot. The story spread across the nation, and the TV show Truth or Consequences even offered $1,000 to anyone who could prove the existence of Bigfoot. Lots of people started to report footprints of their own, and many of these were clearly bear prints, while some were frauds, and one of Ray Wallace's relatives later came forward having found carved wooden feet that matched some of the footprint casts. There are, however, many footprint casts that do remain unexplained, and over 702 different prints that have been collected over 40 years, the mean length was 15.6 inches. The most famous Bigfoot sighting in modern times is the film taken on October 20th of 1967 by Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin, known as the Patterson-Gimlin film. The pair went into the woods looking for Bigfoot near where Ray Wallace had found his tracks. In Bluff Creek, they spotted a creature walking through a clearing and were able to film a short clip from a reported distance of about 80 feet. The movie is very grainy, which makes it difficult to interpret, but what it does show is something unlike any animal known to inhabit the region. To believers, this video is incontestable proof of Bigfoot's existence, but to skeptics, it is merely a human in a gorilla suit. By the 1970s, a former Yeti hunter named Peter Byrne established the Bigfoot Information Center at the Dalles and this earned him national media attention for his documentation of eyewitness accounts and footprints. Even in recent years, there have been many different portrayals of Bigfoots, and in the 80s it became associated with the environmentalist movement, a symbol of the wilderness that needed to be preserved. Because the Patterson-Gimlin film is so famous, I do think it's important to dive a little deeper into the details. Many do believe that this is the best evidence in existence to prove that Bigfoot is real, and though it is only 59 seconds long, it is one of the most heavily scrutinized film clips in history. Despite the multiple analyses done by scientists, forensic analysts, and special effects experts, this film has yet to be conclusively proven either real or fake. As mentioned, it was captured by cowboys Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin while they were searching Bluff Creek in California on horseback for Bigfoot using a 16mm Kodak camera. They captured the footage at a distance of around 30 meters. Interestingly, Roger Patterson himself was a devout Bigfoot chaser, and he had just self-published Do Abominable Snowmen of America Really Exist? In the summer of 1967, Patterson had also begun to film a documentary of sorts about cowboys, an old miner, and an indigenous American tracker, all of whom were searching for Bigfoot. When Patterson bumped into his old friend Gimlin at a gas station in Union Gap, Washington, he told him about the film he was working on and about the footprints that were made famous by Ray Wallace. According to their account, Patterson had just put his camera back in his saddlebag when the men's horses became disturbed and started kicking in fear, the men started to then notice the smell of stink and looked up to see the creature in front of them. Patterson shouted, quote, Bob, cover me, end quote, and grabbed his camera, 
running ahead to stabilize the shot while Gimlin stood behind him with a rifle. Patterson himself was largely responsible for the sensation that followed. He began a worldwide journey of showcasing the film as evidence of Bigfoot. Critics cite the large amount of money that Patterson made from the film when accusing him of staging it, and he was able to make a deal with BBC to buy rights and use the footage. These critics believe that the footage shows a man in a costume, and in 2002, a costume designer named Philip Morris claimed that he sold Patterson the costume. A few years after this, a man named Bob Aronimus of Yakima, Washington, said that Patterson hired him to wear the costume and that he had shown it to some friends at a bar in Yakima before giving it back to Patterson and Gimlin. There are some inconsistencies with Patterson's story, as he said he filmed at around 1 p.m., went to get his casting materials, cast the footprints, and then went back to his car to drive to Eureka to mail the footage, all before 6 p.m., which seems unlikely. However, both him and Gimlin have always maintained that what they saw in the woods was a living creature. There are also many people who believe that the footage is authentic. Primatologist Jeffrey Meldrum, an Idaho University professor of anatomy and anthropology, claims he is, quote, as confident as I can be short of standing on the sandbar with Roger and Bob and witnessed it myself, end quote. He claims that from the video, the trapezius, deltoid, erector spine, and the shoulder blades moving under the skin can be seen. Additionally, he says, quote, the quads contract when they're supposed to contract, end quote. Others have said similar things, citing how the stride and gait of the creature appears to show a great amount of weight and bulk in its frame. The footprints that they collected have also not been easy to debunk, and quote, the trailing leg of the creature also shows the flexibility in the mid part of the foot, end quote. There are parts of the film where the heel of the foot is raised while the ball of the foot remains planted on the ground. One of the footsteps also showed a very distinct point of push-off. Patterson himself passed a polygraph given in 1968 by a respected New York City expert, and again, like Gimlin, he never wavered from his account. Real or not, it is undeniable that this film has given the world the iconic image of Bigfoot that it knows today, and it propelled the legend outside of the Pacific Northwest into the mainstream spotlight. My opinion on the film, honestly, is that I haven't made up my mind if it's real or not. It does seem odd to me that this footage was captured in the middle of broad daylight. It seems like if this creature was so readily visible in the open, there would have been more documented sightings rather than only eyewitness accounts. I also think, after watching the film a few times, that while it doesn't appear to move like a human in a costume, the hair on the creature appears extremely well-groomed and almost soft, which doesn't really give the impression of a wild man. However, the complex anatomy that the footprints showed seems way too important to ignore, and I do agree with the account that the stride and gait of the creature in the video show a great weight and bulk to its frame. I can't say for sure, but I'm not convinced that this was just another elaborate hoax. By far, the most common form of evidence presented for Bigfoot's existence is eyewitness accounts, of which Live Science reported in 2019 that there have been over 10,000 reported in the continental U.S. in the last 50 years. Eyewitness accounts can be pretty unreliable since they are based on memory, and the human brain is capable of making up explanations for events that it can't immediately interpret. 
However, there are a couple that I found compelling that I would like to share. The first one was reported on September 26th of 2020 in Oxford County, Maine, close to Old County Road. The reporter, Mark Fisher, described being in a power lines clearing that runs through the land of a friend of his, cutting a downed tree that was blocking an ATV trail. Him and two other friends were together when his friends noticed something about 200 yards away. Mark looked up and saw, quote, a massive bipedal creature walking towards us. It stopped when it noticed us and took a fast left turn into the woods, end quote. The group also investigated later for prints, hearing a short howl followed by two or three sets of tree knocks. The location has hundreds of acres of thick woods to its right, and to the left a stream with an extremely large swamp area. I found the account interesting because of the massive area with abundant wildlife and shelter to support such a large animal. If there are Bigfoots out there, the Maine wilderness supports other massive creatures such as moose, so it does seem plausible that with that amount of space, there could be undocumented species in that area. The other sighting that I found interesting was on January 4th of 2020, about three miles north of Columbia Gorge, south of the town of Willard in Skamania County, Washington. This witness was driving on Willard Road around 5 p.m. when they saw what they thought was a bear, until the creature's behavior, as well as the estimated size at about 600 pounds, started to make them think otherwise. The witness said this creature stepped onto a bank and walked into the woods, saying, quote, it turned back toward the headlights and scrunched its face because the headlights were in its eyes, then turned into the woods and walked off, end quote. This location was similar to the previous account. It happened in a wooded area with extremely large acreage, on timber company land with no vehicle entrance except by special permission, so the area is sparsely populated with a great amount of space to support such a large creature. This witness was also very familiar with other types of large mammals in the area, including bear, elk, and deer, and she would have been pretty accustomed to recognizing their behavior patterns which does make it seem like this creature was something different entirely. The search for any undocumented species falls under the quasi-scientific field of cryptozoology, which means that Bigfoot falls under this as well. The animals that are the subjects of cryptozoological research are known as cryptids, and the primary information about these creatures comes from traditions, sightings, tales, and legend. This means most research is conducted in libraries, laboratories, and archives rather than in the field. Technically, it is a field of science, as it is a discipline dedicated to proving the stuff of legends and myth to be true. It is believed that only 1.8 of the assumed 9 million species on our planet have been identified, which means that about 7.2 million unique animals remain undiscovered which does make cryptozoology an important and necessary subject to consider. The question of the existence of Bigfoot is a huge one, and there are likely those on both sides of the debate that will never be swayed unless undeniable physical evidence of the creature is ever found. It is intriguing, however, and very much fun to wonder about Bigfoot, and this legend in particular is fascinating because it tells of a flesh-and-blood animal who very well may have existed at some point in history, and may just still exist to this day. The viewpoint of those who do not believe in Bigfoot is certainly understandable. For such a large creature who has been seen by eyewitnesses very close to human civilization, 
It doesn't seem to make sense that no remains of a Bigfoot have ever been found. While I do believe that many of the sightings reported in more highly populated areas are probably fabricated, there is an argument to be made for Bigfoots in the northwestern region of North America. In such a vast area of wilderness, there is certainly enough ground and resources to support such a large animal, and there are so many animals that are endangered, and so many that are still yet to be discovered. Again, there are arguments to be made in both directions, but it is fascinating to think that of all of the legends and scary stories that are told in the dark, one of them just might be true. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of the Crime Bistro Podcast, and if you're interested in learning more about the legend of Bigfoot, all of the sources are listed in the show notes at crimebistro.com. If you have an opinion of your own to share, feel free to head over and visit the podcast on YouTube or on Instagram at Crime Bistro Podcast to leave a comment and see some behind-the-scenes updates on the episodes to come. With that, this story is coming to a close, so thanks again, and as always, until next time.